We are designed to be clouded, confused, self-depreciative whenever we're not being authentic because we get feedback, a homeostatic feedback in our psyche to get us back on track to who we are. So anytime you go away from who you are, you're going to create chaos in your life until you eventually discover the hidden order in your life. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today I have the privilege of introducing you to someone I'm sure you've already crossed paths with, and that is Dr. John Demartini, whom I have been following and reading and learning from for years and years, and I am so pleased to welcome you to the show. Welcome to On Air with Ella. Thank you for having me. I was looking forward to this. Well, it will be almost impossible for you to share your biography, Dr. Martini. but could you possibly tell us who you are and what you do? I have four things that I love doing. I love researching, writing, traveling the world, and teaching. And anything on human behavior and anything to do with mastery of life. So I've been doing that for 50 years. November will be 50 years. You know, I've never read, even though I saw you in The Secret, even though I've read some of your more than, I want to say, 40 self-development books, I don't think I know what led you to this work in the first place. What was the beginning of your journey like? Well, I'll do a short story. I had learning challenges as a child. And I, when I was a year and a half to about four, I went to a speech pathologist because I couldn't use my mouth properly. So I had a speech impediment, I had a learning difficulty. I was told in first grade I would never be able to read, never be able to write, never be able to communicate, never mount to thing, never go very far in life. I also had to wear braces on my arm and legs. I had a deformed arm and leg. And when I got out of the braces at age four, I just wanted to run. And my teacher told my parents when she told them that I would not be able to read, to put him in some sort of sport because he's not going to be able to read. He's going he's gonna to have to run or do something with sports. I made it through elementary school only by asking kids, the, the smartest kids, questions. And I'm known for my questions today because of that. I like to travel because I probably had to wear braces for three and a half years in my life because I want to be free. And here I am later on after having to overcome a reading problem. I didn't read until I was 18. I eventually learned how to read. I learned how to speak properly. And I had a dream when I was 17 to travel the world and speak. So today I travel the world and speak. Do you feel like you've had a magical life? I really have. (laughs) Without a doubt, a magical life. Where are you today? I'm on the northern top of Iceland, uh, coming out of a fjord here in a few hours, in a little town I can't even pronounce. I live on a ship that travels around the world, and so I'm just, I happen to be there today. Tomorrow we go to a different place. (laughs) So if we hear a little bit of static in the line, or if the sound gets distorted for just a second, please give us some grace. It's because Dr. Demartini is on an iceberg or something. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm out at sea in a beautiful little fjord on the top of Iceland right now. I've been living on this ship for 21 years now. 
That is, I mean, we could do an entire show just on that. I have so many questions. <laughs> Dr. Martini. what I'd really like to spend our time on for today anyway, is a topic that honestly is at the fundament of everything that inspires me to do this show and do any public speaking that I might do. And I describe it as awareness accountability, abundance, and alignment. And you use slightly different language, but I'm sure so much of it came from your work. Could you tell me what self-governance means to you and, and what you really mean when you say mind mastery is life mastery? Honestly, I'd just love to let you riff on that. I know that's a terribly formed question. <laughs> well, I, I got it. When I was 23, I was intrigued by what drives people. At 23, I really started studying the, the brain. I was lecturing on neurology by then, and I was studying psychology, neurology, and human motivations. And I discovered that every human being lives by a set of priorities, a set of values that are fingerprint specifically unique to them. Now, they are derived from the voids we have in life which are things we perceive as missing, that we feel empty about. And those are primarily from judgments that we've had that have been stored in our subconscious mind that yearn to be fulfilled. For instance, if we are self-righteous and look down on somebody and we're too proud to admit what we see in them is inside us, we have a disowned part and that's a void and emptiness because we really want to be able to love and appreciate people. And if we minimize ourselves and put people on a pedestal, we're too humble to admit what we see in them is inside us and another void. And those voids want to be fulfilled. And so we want to love and to learn how to have sustainable, equitable, fair exchange with people. And so we have a hierarchy of voids driving a hierarchy of values, which is the path that's most efficient for fulfillment. And that's unique to everybody. There's no outside purpose and mission in people's lives. It's it's an inside job. It's what based on their voids and their perceptions in life they've accumulated. Whatever this hierarchy of values is. Whatever is highest on the value is something that is spontaneously, intrinsically inspired from within that we want to pursue. And my case is teaching. You know, nobody has, you won't find anybody on the planet for 50 years. That if you were to go up and find anybody on the planet that has, would say that, oh, I, I know Dr. Martini needs motivation to go teach, you won't find it. I've offered people, if you ever find anybody that does that, you get free seminars. <laughs> they won't find it. Because an intrinsic value is something so spontaneously yearned to express within that we just spontaneously do it. And that's where we're most effective and efficient. That's where we're most authentic. Because whatever's highest on our value, our ontological identity revolves around. And so that's our identity. You know, my mind is teaching. I'm a teacher. But as you go down the list of values, lower and lower and lower, they become more extrinsic. And when they become more extrinsic, they require some sort of outside motivation, incentive, or reminding to get you to do it. And, you know, reward if you do it, punishment if you don't kind of thing. It's like a young boy who's 12 years old who loves video games. He spontaneously does his video games, but you have to motivate him to do his chores, homework, and clean his room. So if you're going through and needing outside motivation, that's a symptom. Motivation externally is always a symptom, never a solution for mastery. So if you need outside motivation, you're not being authentic to what's truly an intrinsic drive for you. And many people are not engaged in their life because they're not identifying what that is and either saying no to everything else or linking everything to it so they can be intrinsically driven. 
But whatever is highest on our value, that's that's the path of our purpose in life. That's the path of our identity in life. That's the path that we excel in life. That's where we have incremental momentum building achievements that emerge spontaneously from there. And that's the path of mastery. And when we live congruently with that and we set goals that are, you know, in line with that, and we prioritize our life accordingly and delegate lower party things, the blood glucose and oxygen flushes into the forebrain, into the medial prefrontal cortex, which is called the executive center or the gratitude center. And that sends uh, glutamate and GABA nerve endings and, and, and transmitters down into the amygdala to stop the distractions of the impulses and instincts, the pleasures and pain distractions that run most people's lives, the animal behavior of avoid predator and seek prey. That's calmed down and in a neutralized, and it gives us, you know, accelerator button without deceleration right forward into what inspires us. And that's the path of mastery. And the mind mastery living congruently with what we value most gives rise to achievements and life mastery. So I'm a firm believer in helping people find out what's intrinsically drives them and not waste their time on anything less. I imagine that you have met a human or two that says, I know I want more. I know I'm meant to do something, but I have absolutely no idea what it is. How do you counsel someone when they feel that their biggest hurdle is an utter lack of clarity? Well, we are designed to be clouded, confused, self-depreciative whenever we're not being authentic because we get feedback, a homeostatic feedback in our psyche to get us back on track to who we are. So anytime you go away from who you are, you're going to create chaos in your life until you eventually discover the hidden order in your life. And when I ask people what their highest value is, most people will tell you a bunch of BS. They'll tell you peace and achievement and honor and help and, you know, kind of crazy idealisms. I have no interest in what people say other than what their life demonstrates. Their life demonstrates their values. So I, I had to go through and filter out all the BS and find out what's really true. Because I saw so many BSs on, on values uh, out there in the literature. And what I found is I look at what your life demonstrates. And there are certain determinants. And on my website, drdmartin.com, there's a, there's a complimentary value determination process. They can take advantage of It's free. It's complimentary. It's private. But let me just share with what, what those criteria are. Whatever your your space is, you have what is called an intimate space, a personal space, a social space, a public space. Whatever you keep in your intimate and personal space, which is around a foot and a half to four feet around you, whatever is within reach of your hands at any one time, tell me what's the most common denominator item that sits in there that you engage in on a regular basis and take the top three items, in your case, your journal, your your notepad, your computer probably, you know, that kind of thing. Mine's my computer. I'm always within a foot and a half of that pretty well all day long. If, but if you take what those items are and look at what those top three items are and what the dominant use of each of those items are and write what those items are and what their primary purpose is uh, and write the top three, just write those down and look at how do you fill your space. I guarantee you, you will get rid of stuff that's not priority and you'll keep around you what is priority and it will reveal to you what you really intrinsically have as a value. That's that's the first one is space. The second one is time. You find time, make time, uh, spend time, create time for things that are really valuable to you. 
and you ran out of time. I mean, I got invited today to go to a, a an event going on in the little town here, dinner event. There's no way I'm going to take that over a podcast with you. You know, I mean, my 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 main is my thing is teaching. I'll do 21 presentations a day if that's what it takes to do what I love doing. And the other things, if there's nothing going on that's another priority, I might do that. But that's not my priority. I look at what my life demonstrates. I'm only interested in what your life demonstrates. So how do you spend your time? You don't have to look very far to see that. You know, it's very obvious. So look at what you spend your time on most. And don't write what you wish it would be or hope it would be or should be or think it'd be. No imperatives in it. Just what does your life demonstrate? And what is you spending the most time on the top three things and put them down? And you'll already start to see a pattern. Because if you look at your your time spent, it's probably serving people. And anything that will allow you to learn what to do to serve people, you're going to devour it. I mean, that's what your life will probably demonstrate. The third thing is energy. When you're doing something that's high in your value, you have more energy at the end of the day than when, you, when you're doing something low in your value. It, it gains energy during the day if you're doing high priority things and it lowers it. So what are the top three things that you automatically, spontaneously have the energy for and gain energy doing it? That tells you it. Mine is, you can probably guess, teaching and researching and writing and, and traveling. I love traveling. I've been, I've spoken 172 countries now. So I, I, I love traveling. Now, so my life demonstrates I'm traveling every single day somewhere. So you look at what your life demonstrates. And so your space, your time, and your energy. The fourth one is money. You know, you make money, but where you spend it tells you a lot about it. I know a guy that spends at least $7,000 a month on food. <laughs> He's a gourmet food guy and wine guy. I'm lucky to spend 1500 The only thing I eat is something that allows me to maximally perform. I don't waste my time. I don't live to eat. I eat to live for performance so I can do what I love doing. So. But he spends $7,000 on food because that tells you what his value is, gourmet food. And there's no right values out there. You know, there's nobody's right. I'm not right or wrong for my values, and neither are they. But you just got to look at what your life demonstrates and don't compare yourself to them and think, oh, it should be this or it ought to be that. No, what is it? What does your life demonstrate? So what is it that you spend your money on and look at how your money is spent? And you will find a pattern again in your space, time, energy, matter. There'll be a pattern of what you value most. And it will be smacking you in the face. And you may not want it to be that. You may fantasize about it being something else. But I'm not interested in the fantasy. I'm only interested in what your life demonstrates. Hey, it's Ella. I'm just jumping on here to tell you that this episode is sponsored by you, the listener. Do you know what that means? It means I need you to sponsor the show. Could you please open the app in which you are listening to this podcast and leave a review? I don't care if you left one five years ago. Update it. I'm going to bribe you. Let me tell you what I mean. If you leave a review and you add a sentence and you put quotes around it, a sentence, a phrase, a shout out, a happy birthday, whatever you want, I will read it on the air. I am now resorting to bribes because I have not had a fresh review for months. This is our two-way exchange. I put these episodes out. They're free. I hope they entertain or educate you in some way. And you, every once in a while, leave a tip in the tip jar by leaving a review. Thank you. I hate asking for these things, but they matter. They matter a lot. And so I will read, as long as it's not unkind, <laughs> I will read Whatever shout out you include in your review, I don't care if your review is only a shout out, whatever makes you happy and would make somebody else happy, I'm going to read it on the air. That's right. In an upcoming episode. So open that Apple app. I don't know if Spotify will let you comment, but if you're listening on Apple, open that thing up, leave a review, add a sentence, and you will get that shout out on the air. Okay, thanks. Our bribes are fine.
right? Bribes are fine. The fifth one is what is, where is it that you have tremendous amount of order and organization? You know, I, I have an itinerary that's, I mean, spotless, an itinerary. We got a two-year itinerary where I'm going to be around the world. I've got absolute, my computer is completely organized. There's not anything I could ever study and learn what doesn't have a place in my computer for research purposes. I have all my information presentable. It's all laid out. I've got hundreds and hundreds of books that I've written that are specifically for education purposes. It's all organized. So look at where you have organ and don't don't go around, well, I'm not organized because you're comparing yourself to somebody else in that area. You don't see it in you. So you think, well, I don't have it. Where are you demonstrating? Everybody has it. It may be your social calendar. It may be your fitness routine. I mean, I don't know what it is, but somewhere there's order. Find out what that is and look for the pattern, the space, the time, the energy, the money, and now the order. Because whatever's high in your value, you bring order to whatever's low in your value, you have chaos in. I, I don't cook. I don't drive. I, I don't even know how to cook. And I, I'm driven a car in 32 years. But I delegate anything that's low on my priorities because why would you want to do anything low on your values when you devalue yourself that way? You value yourself when you stick to top priorities. You devalue yourself when you go to lower priorities. You require, you're inspired from within when you're doing high priority and you have to be motivated from without when you're doing low priority. So I'm not interested where you need motivation. I'm only interested where you're spontaneously doing things. The next one is, where are you most disciplined and reliable and focused? What is it that I can count on you doing? Because anytime I expect any human being to be doing something other than what's highest on a priority, I'm setting myself up for feelings of betrayal. Because I'm, I'm expecting them to live in my values. I expect them to live in somebody else's values. Not going to happen. You can count on me to be teaching, researching, and writing and traveling. But you can't count on me to be cooking. You can't count on me to be driving. You can't count on me on anything that's low in my values because I'm not going to do it. I delegate that. Anything that I need motivation to do is delegated to somebody else who would love to do that. So they're an expert in that. And surround yourself with experts that way. So you look at where you're most disciplined, reliable, and focused. The next one is what do you think about, about how you would love your life to be that shows evidence of coming true? What are you thinking about, about how you would love your life to be that shows evidence coming true? I thought about traveling the world and teaching around the world. That's how I would love it to be. I have evidence of it coming true. I had the idea of being an international sex symbol at one time, but there's been no evidence. It's been zero evidence of coming true. So those are fantasies. <laughs> so I can't put anything like that down. It's that's just that's delusion and fantasy. But I can put down teacher, <laughs> inspired teacher. That I can put down. So I go look at what I'm what I'm thinking about about how I want my life that does show evidence of coming true. And the next one is, what are you visualizing about how you would want your life to be that shows evidence coming true? And that's, that's one is the, 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 the frontal lobe and the parietal lobe and a little bit of the temporal lobe. And the other one is now the occipital lobe. And then the, the next one is, what are you are talking to yourself, internally dialoguing with yourself about, about how you would love your life to be that shows evidence coming true? So you're getting now the temporal lobe. You get all the lobes working in the brain towards one objective, thought, vision, and internal dialogue. Because we talk to ourselves about how we want our life. And if we're not acting towards priority, we end up beating ourselves up and we have negative self-talk. Our negative self-talk is a feedback to let us know that we're pursuing something that's not authentic. It's as simple as that. We're subordinating to outer authorities. We're injecting the values of others into our life. We're clouding the clarity of our own mission, which is an expression of our highest value. And we're shutting down our executive center and getting into our amygdala and now looking for immediate gratification to compensate for the unfulfillment because we're not doing what's meaningful. So I look at what we think about, visualize, and affirm. 
The next one is what do you converse with other people about and keep bringing the conversation to? And what can you talk all night about? You know, human behavior, I can do all night. But if I look at something that's not inspiring to me, I shut down. But now find out what you'd love talking about. I'm sure yours is probably helping people do something extraordinary with their life and the business world or something, consulting with them. But whatever that is, you'll go for all night for that. And then you can be at three in the morning, you'll still be doing it. At least I do. And then the next one is, what is it that inspires you and brings tears of gratitude to your eyes? What's common to the people who do that? And what what are the moments when you've had that in your life? And what's common to those moments? Because that's a that's a you have what is called a delta wave in the brain, which is around three cycles per second. You've got a beta wave, which is about 13 plus cycles per second. And you've got an alpha theta wave, which is about eight cycles per second. And when those are in perfect sync between the autonomic function and all of a sudden you get an alpha around eight cycles, a gamma wave comes in, synchronizes the brain, brings tears of inspiration, autonomic homeostasis, the heart opens and you get tears pouring out of your eyes. That's a sign of authenticity, a sign of not exaggerating and minimizing yourself, but being yourself. And those are signs of authenticity. So you want to look at when have you been inspired with tears And every time you ever get a moment of tear of inspiration, stop and access the content of your mind at that moment, whether it be a piece of music, whether it be a a movie, whatever it is, find out what the content is of that mind at the moment there's tears. And I guarantee it's guiding you to something authentic. It's amazing. Most people know that it's been like a guide in their life. Well, it is. And the next one is now, what are the three most consistent, persistent goals that you've had? that are absolutely long-term things that you just keep working on and you don't ever stop on and you're relentless in it and there's no stopping and you're achieving it. Those three things, I'm looking for the common denominators to those. And then the last one is what do you spontaneously want to read about, study about, learn about, listen to, watch on YouTube about, and fill your mind. You're thirsty for knowledge in whatever you value most. You can't get enough of it. You want to study it. You want to become great at it, learn all about it. We spontaneously want to learn what's important to us. So if we look at those, there will be a, a, an absolute stream of, of pattern that, it, I mean, I've been doing this for thousands and thousands of people around the world. There's a pattern in that. And if you look at it and you see it all of a sudden, you go, bang, I now know and see what's really, really most important to me. Now, start structuring your life according to that. Ask yourself, what is the highest priority action I can do today? to serve the greatest amount of people in the most effective and efficient manner. And that would inspire me that fulfills my highest value. You ask that every day and stick to that every day. And wow, what happens? If one was intentional about this process and went through these 12 steps, which I'm going to break out for everybody who wishes they were taking notes right now. um, I'm taking the notes for you. Rest assured. (laughs) 13. There's 13 actually. 13 of them. Got it. I took messy notes. They're on the website. These these are the same questions on the website. So you can go to the website and you can then uh, show it to them. Okay. We will make that very easy for everybody. And this raises some, some fundamental questions that I want to dive into you, dive into with you. However, I have a clarification question about one of the most recent ones that you shared with us. And you said the three most persistent goals that you never stopped pursuing. But what I found just in my limited experience, Dr. Martini, is that some people never pursued those goals. So they're nagging at them. They're in their soul. They're clawing at them. They're in their heart and they never went away. But they have not, in fact, been 
in pursuit of them. They have not necessarily taken action. Would you allow for that as well in the same? Does that still tell the same story? No. Let me explain. Anytime you meet somebody that you that you put on a pedestal and and exaggerate them and minimize you in turn, the way values work in society, the values always go from whoever has the most power, perceptual power, to those who have the least power. And so anytime you minimize yourself to somebody you put on a pedestal, you're going to inject some of their values and they're going to cloud the clarity of what your true highest value is. And they're going to come in as little fantasies that you want to go and do that give you a dopamine fix, that give you pleasure, that then in the amygdala and the hippocampus, it sets up a valency and a pleasure in the nucleus accumbens and sets you up to think, oh, I want that fantasy. And that is confused with goals, those little fantasies. And so then what happens is you beat yourself up when you're not taking action, but it's not your highest value. It's somebody else's. And so those things linger in the brain and people think that's what they want to do in life, but their life doesn't demonstrate it. So I I make sure it's it's not about your fantasy. It's not about what you think it should be. It's not about what whispers in your head or whatever. It's what your life demonstrates. Because we spontaneous, there's a thing called evoke potentials and spontaneous potentials in the brain. We spontaneously act automatically when we're congruent with what our highest value is. And we automatically are designed to hesitate on anything less. And so we don't get around to doing it. We procrastinate, hesitate, and frustrate on anything other than our highest value. So that's one of the reasons why people have those things in their head and they think that's what they want. And they confuse themselves about what their real mission is in life. And these kind of fantasies about how they envy other people. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. We're not here to envy somebody. We're not here to imitate them. We're not here to put people on pedestals and live in their shadows and be second-rate people compared to being first-rate people being ourselves. We're here to be our, our own self. I ask millions of people, how many want to make a difference? They all put their hands up. How are you going to make a difference fitting in being like everybody else? You only make a difference by being you. I think it is so insightful that you said that our voids and our values are fingerprint specific. And I think that that's what I think that that's tying back here. But what do you say to the person that says, well, I'm not sure I've ever pursued what mattered to me. So I don't have evidence that that is true for me. No, what they're doing is they're, they're keep, they're actually living by their values because your perception, decisions, and actions are governed by them, but they have a fantasy about how it's supposed to be. Let me give you a fun story. Good story. I'm in London and I'm doing my signature program, which I've done 1,152 times called the Breakthrough Experience. I've done it all over the place. And I'm there. And on Sunday afternoon, we are now time for our mission statement. We've been doing all these preliminary things for two days. Now we're ready for it. And getting clear about what do we really want to put, what does our life demonstrate we're committed to? Not our fantasies. And all of a sudden, this lady puts her hand up. She says, Dr. Martin, I just don't know what my purpose is. I just don't know what my purpose is. I just don't know what my purpose is. But I said, I said, stop it. I said, what do you do every single day that nobody has to remind you to do, that you spontaneously do, that you love doing? I don't know. I don't have anything. I don't know. I'm lost. I'm lighted. Stop. Stop ranting BS. Answer my question. Be accountable. You know, you like accountability. Be accountable. Quit. You're not going to grow doing that. False attribution biases and blaming anything else in yourself or other people doesn't get you anywhere. So right now, what do you do every day that you spontaneously do? And she said, I spend time with my kids. I said, if I was to go and watch you with a drone 24 hours a day, would your kids be around you most of the time and in your space most of the time? She goes, yes, I spend my day with my kids. I love my kids. That's what I do. 
I said, your whole day, most your days, most all day long, I'm with my kids. Okay, so your time and your space is kids. Now, what energizes you? My kids. Where's your money go, kids? Where are you most ordered? Their life, what we're going to do, the structure for the day, what they're going to learn. I kind of, I teach them. I'm, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> I said, so you're going to try to tell me you don't know what your mission is? And she said, but shouldn't it be this? And I said, wait a minute. The only reason you're not loving yourself and not honoring yourself is because you're comparing yourself to somebody else that you've got an infatuation with you're admiring. Who is this? She goes, well, I, I think I know who they are. Who is it? I got this woman who's got two kids. She's got sort of a nanny and au pair that takes care of the kids. And she runs this major business thing. And I'm always impressed by what she's able to do with running this business. I said, her highest value is children. I mean, her, her highest value is business. Your highest value is children. You're excelling at children. She's excelling at business. She's not better or worse. You're just as a, she's probably thinking, God, I wish I had the power to be able to do that with my kids. I'll probably get to know them when they're twenties. You know, when they start running a business, I'll probably get to know them. She has a different set of, of values. And then she had this other girl that was a socialite that was really socially impacting people. And she was comparing herself to people that were socially empowering and business empowering, and then minimizing herself in comparison. Cause anytime you compare yourself to other people, you're not going to honor who you are. Because you can't be somebody else. You can only be you. I said, your mission is so obvious. You want to be a mom and raise a beautiful kids. She started crying. She says, that's all I've ever wanted to do in my life. Is that enough? And I said, Rose Kennedy from the Kennedy family, her mission statement was that I dedicate my life to raising a family of world leaders. And she said, that's what I want to do. I want to raise amazing kids. And she got enthused and inspired. She came up and she hugged me. She got tears in her eyes. She says, I said, now go write that. That's your mission. And quit living under somebody else's subordination and shadows of somebody. Just give yourself permission to be the magnificent you because the magnificence of who you are is far greater than any fantasies you'll impose on yourself. And anytime you inject somebody else's values, you're putting a fantasy on yourself to live outside your values and their values. Not going to happen. And she just was set free and she wrote this thing and it came out like automatic writing, poured out. And she was clear and it was there the whole time. So don't, when somebody tries to tell me, I knew what my purpose is, I said, stop the BS, answer these questions, get clear on it, watch how inspired you become and enthused you become spontaneously when you get true about it, and then watch how creativity and innovation and your executive functions come online then. Dr. Martini, I know that we are running on time here, but I just have to say that when you were going through the criteria that you discussed, the 13, I just kept thinking this is gold when it comes to evaluating relationships. There's so much about relationship dynamics in this list, in this audit of your life, if you will. And and I'm just, this isn't neat and tidy because I'm having an organic response to what I am learning from you. So I'm just going to kind of set a table, but messy. And that is that you said that our voids and our values are fingerprint specific and that we want fair exchanges. So we're all different. We're all out here with our different voids and our different values, but we want fair exchanges. That's red flag number one for me in so many relationships where you don't realize that that's what you're seeking and you can't figure out why it's not happening and then skip to some of the criteria. And you're talking about what 
lights you up versus what drains you. Well, I'm not sure we're even paying enough attention to what people give us energy versus drain our energy. So are there any parallels in our last moments together? Are there any parallels you want to make between this philosophy and relationship dynamics? Yeah. Did you know this is a two-hour segment? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Nobody... And this is going to shock people, really irritate some people, but it's okay. I'm used to being shocked kind of thing. Nobody's dedicated to you. Don't don't live in a childish fantasy that somebody's dedicated to you. <laughs> Nobody's dedicated to you. It's utilitarian. And, that, and people don't like that because they want the romantic fantasy. But the reality is that every human being is committed to the fulfillment of what they value most. That's it. So whatever is highest on their value, their ontological identity revolves around. Mine's teaching. So if a woman comes into my life and says, well, the first thing we need to do is stop you from all this teaching stuff, that's got to go. Now, if you can't see how what is most meaningful, inspiring, and and most identity-oriented for them, their highest values, how it's going to help you fulfill yours, you've got no relationship. You're going to be wanting to fix them. And when you're not feeling that what they're doing is serving you, you're going to go into the unfulfillment amygdala, and the amygdala is addicted to pride and fantasy. And you're going to have the fantasy they're going to live in your values. You're going to have a fantasy they're going to be one side and support you more than challenge you. And you're going to have the fantasy that they're going to live in your values and be, you know, uh, you know, living the way you expect. And they're supposed to read your mind. They, these are delusions. The wisest thing to do is to find out what is truly valuable to them and what their life demonstrates they're committed to. They want to fulfill that. And anybody that helps them fulfill that in the marketplace, they're going to migrate to. They're not committed to you. (laughs) They're not committed to you. I want everybody to hear that. They're not committed to you. You're committed to what you're valuing most. And as long as they're within a tolerance zone between boredom and burnout, you stay there until something better comes along. But the reality... The reality is that you want to find out how that partner and what they're dedicated to, what's highest on a value, how is it helping you fulfill what you're dedicated, your highest values? And answer that question a hundred times and be accountable to answer that so you don't have to, you don't have a desire to fix them. You have a desire to appreciate them for what they're doing for you. Now turn around and answer the question, how is what you're committed to helping them fulfill what they have? Now, most people say, well, it's not. That's what's wrong. No. That's because they're not being accountable to find out how they're links. I've been linking values between people that can't even imagine having a relationship. You could turn anybody into something, and it's all perception and it's all associations you make. And so if you don't take command of those and find out how whatever that individual is, how it's helping you fulfill what you're dedicated to, you're going to want to change it. And they don't want to be changed. They don't want to be fixed. They want to be loved for who they are. And so the first thing to do is have two people find out their values and then link the values and spend hundreds of links. So the brain is neuroplastically seeing both of them on the way, not in the way. Huge dialogue change in the way you talk. That's a very important process to to help people start a relationship dynamic. To dialogue instead of an alternating monologue where I'm speaking, you're not listening. I have a fantasy who I'm going to make you. You have a fantasy you're going to make me and I'll punish you if you don't read my mind, that kind of stuff. That's what most people are stuck in. Yeah, and it underscores the need to know your own values, because let's be honest, so much of us are blown away by the concept of even 
running through this process for ourselves to truly understand our own values, but it de- you develop a literacy when you can bring yours to the table and your partner can do so in kind. It gives you a, an entirely new language in a way and a way to relate to one another. And what I'm hearing from you is, you know, there are marriages that go through many, many years of circumstances and raising kids or other life interference, et cetera, et cetera. And then they get to some point in that journey and they're looking at each other and they're like, who are you again? And I should think that sometimes that's a sad story. And sometimes it can be quite a happy one if they're able. I mean, imagine connecting on this level after 18 years of marriage. I have. I've done it. I've helped people do that. I tell people to do this quarterly. I've had two people that did this exercise and they were already in throwing in the towel, already had legal things going on. They were already going through a separation. Why didn't somebody teach us this? Why am why nobody's told me about my fantasies and unrealistic expectations? That's what destroys relationships. To expect somebody to read your mind, live in your values, which is futile. When you think about this in action, I think of, I consider my closest, most intimate relationships. And on the surface, we don't have that much in common. You wouldn't look at us and necessarily pair us together. You know, the very few people I would consider to be in my innermost circle. And this is the magic. This is what it is. It's that values alignment. And so I'm assuming that that must be true everywhere people are authentically aligned and why you can connect with people, right? When you don't even know them. Yeah, but if you're looking for somebody that's exactly like you, if any two people are exactly the same, one's not necessary. That's the twilight zone. No, you, you want somebody that's a complementary opposite. We Anytime you get more support than challenge, you get bored. Anytime you get more challenge and support, you get burned out. Anytime you put the two together in a balance, you get love. You need a person that gives you support and challenge to keep you authentic. Support without challenge. Support builds your pride. Challenge makes you humble. Put the two together. You get authentic. You need a balance of those two. That's why you respect them if they can if they can stand up. You'd want somebody that would also be in a nice bantering with you to keep you in check. You need a balance of support and challenge. Maximum growth and development occurs at the border of support and challenge. Dr. Demartini, thank you so much for teaching today. Thank you for your time. And we just appreciate you so much. Thank you for no, thank you for the opportunity to share on your show. So thank you uh, for what you're doing because we've we're we're a partner working to help each other fulfill both of our values. That's that's great. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at on air with Ella or get the show notes and all the links shared today at onairella.com. There's no with, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening, thank you for sharing the show, and thanks for inspiring me. You are, quite simply, awesome.